When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod Save the Queen! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the Queen. It's a very special episode this week as the Queen is celebrating her 70th year on the throne. Now, today's show is going to be split into two parts, really, and we have not one but two special guests for you. Later in the episode, I'll be speaking to historian Tracy Borman, who'll be talking us through some of the key moments from the Queen's reign so far. But before that, we have Russell Myers and Ian Vogler, who are joining us in Beats London in Dubai. Hi, guys. How are you? Good, thanks. We're very well, aren't we're we? Good, we're yeah. sitting next to each other. You are. I'm very jealous that you're doing podcast in real life almost. And I'm the internet sitting here. wasn't working, so I have gone <laughs> down to Ian's boudoir. <laughs> it is looks it looks like a very nice hotel room you're in this time. The view is how does the view compare to the one you had when you were in Australia? It's it I mean it's not great. It's downtown. I mean if you're trying to show it's dark outside and we're in downtown Dubai. Uh, we are here for the Duke of Cambridge's uh visit to the Dubai Expo tomorrow in the space time continuum that will be today. So I uh I will be sending I'll be sending you some videos and some pictures so you can upload them on the uh, on the Instagrams. Sorry. I know I'm very excited to hear all about that and very jealous of your day tomorrow. However, we'll obviously be discussing we'll discuss that a bit later on and we'll hear we all are. about yeah. it next week. So we will obviously discuss that later on um, in the show and next in next week's show. But before that, we have to talk about the Queen as it was a session day over the weekend. Now, the kind of the, we had lots over the weekend actually, didn't we? And the main bit being a lovely statement from the Queen in which she said that she wanted uh, Camilla to become a Queen consort. Yes, I mean, lovely is a bombshell. I mean, this is absolutely extraordinary i don't think anyone saw this coming there had been some rumors flying around recently that you know something was going to happen um but i definitely didn't think it was imminent and i certainly didn't think that the uh, the announcement would be made on accession day this uh, the anniversary of course of the queen's platinum jubilee was on sunday um and just an absolutely bombshell statement i mean we won't read uh, our, our off it completely however it was quite a way down before you got to the actual let's say the meat and potatoes of the of the feast of this um statement because she spoke about her father she's talking about the anniversary um about renewing her pledge that she gave in 1947 that my life will always be devoted to your service looking ahead to the platinum jubilee reminded about how thankful we are talking about how she was supported uh, and had a steadfast and loving support from her family, blessed by having Prince Philip by her side. And then went into the, uh, and I will read from this bit uh, actually, because it says, I remain eternally grateful for and humbled by the loyalty and affection that you continue to give me. And when in the fullness of time, my son Charles becomes king, I know you will give him and his wife, Camilla, the same support that you have given me. And it is my sincere wish that when the time comes, Camilla will be known as Queen Consort as she continues her loyal service. I mean, 
an absolute bombshell. Forget about you know the fact of um, all the history that is layered within it. I think the, the the recent history is certainly that Camilla has shown herself worthy of of such a position. That's my personal feeling. I think that, that there is quite a divide. I think you just see from the the polls that have come out this week have been wildly swinging in either direction. I think we had one that's this week that 67% of our readers said that she shouldn't be queen consort. The Daily Mail had one today that said, you know, I think two thirds in the other direction. So it's a big, big issue that has really, really split opinion. Um, you go right back to the fact of when Charles and Camilla got married in 2005, the, the palace were heavily briefing that um, uh, she would only ever be known as princess consort. She wouldn't be queen. I think producer Dan reminded us of when he worked in the Sun's offices, there was a, a headline with Charles, Camilla will never be queen. And yes. I think, you know, you're Ian, I bring Ian in here because you'll know better. You were working the beat then, right? And then that yeah. was that was part of the, the rhetoric that was being used that she, she would never become queen. That was part of the rhetoric back then because, you know, these are difficult times for her to be accepted into the family. The wedding, if you, you know, that was a very low key event just in the registry office in Windsor. But a lot of water's flowed under the bridge since then. And Camilla has, you know, carried out an enormous number of engagements and service. And I think I said to you earlier, this is a landmark because this is the Queen shaping the monarchy going forward after her passing. It's the first time we've seen directly from, from the monarch herself how the monarchy will shape out. Well, I think in that sense, we, we, have, we were having a chat today about this very thing and how you're, we're now seeing, I know we'll come on to it in a minute, but, you know, William being in Dubai, he's doing some things very, very statesmanlike. Uh, we've seen him in the Middle East over the last couple of years. We've seen him um, reaching out to sort of the Gulf, the royal families of the Gulf states. That is part of his sort of forging his future. Obviously, Charles and Camilla have to forge theirs with a helping hand from the Queen. And I think this, again, as Ian says, this is the first time we're seeing that future beyond the Queen being here. And I think she's acutely aware probably because of her health problems over the last few months, uh, probably because she's 96, coming on 95, coming on 96. Don't, and don't so, age her yet. You, she's still got a few more well, months. I know. Don't <laughs> age a woman. I know. <laughs> I know. When it was my own birthday, I was desperately clinging, yeah. clinging on to the fact that I was younger. So yeah, we will afford the Queen the same duty. So ni 95, you know, she's planning on life after her family and I suppose after Prince Philip's death that that brings on a certain um thinking that things need to be laid in place for when she's no longer here uh and I think potentially let's go back to the polls and, and, and about the 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 public's feeling maybe the public do need a bit of settling a bit of settling in period to get used to the idea that um she will be known as queen I mean again I've seen, and I'm just speaking anecdotally, this, I've received dozens of emails and uh, messages on social media, and it has been completely split. And previously, I would have said that anyone under the age of 40, this is, again, my personal opinion, anyone under the age of 40 probably didn't care. And anyone over the age of 40 could remember those times and how fraught it was and the public feeling towards um charles and camilla i mean they weren't allowed to get married in a church because of i mean that's right isn't it? Yeah. they weren't allowed to get married in the church because of the the the, the affair and scandal yeah. connected to and it. um and he will one day be head ahead of the 
Church of England. So I think that's yeah. where a lot of the ill feeling comes. I mean, I remember that first engagement they did together, you know, that they've been doing things, but he had been turning up before her and after her and all, and there was this big announcement, yeah, they're going to be together at this event. I think it was either Ritz or Claridge's. I mean, there were photographers there for about 20 hours before yeah, trying to bag yeah. that picture. That was such a big moment. And now it's like, oh, yeah, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. So, yeah, I mean, time... Things of people's thinking may have changed. I think you're right. It's a generational thing. People in my own family, older members of my mm, own family, mm. think no, she shouldn't be. But it's a it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Yeah, I th- I, and I think again from personal experience and anecdotally, people who have worked this beat and seen it longer than I, and have seen how she has really had to mould into the role. She's worked incredibly hard. I mean, recently, you just look at the work she's done for domestic violence, victims of domestic abuse, animal welfare charities. She speaks very, very eloquently on on both those subjects and many more, and has just sort of quietly got on with the job. Again, you read stories about people chucking bread rolls at her in the supermarket car park um, when there was such high emotion about this very event of them potentially getting married and on her day her being her her being queen it's uh it's very interesting to hear it and I, I still do think it is a generational um I, again that's sort of widely speaking but I do think it is generational and you know if we are talking in the future then in, the, in another two three four five years will people care will people be, be looking towards the future I, I I think they will but on her own merits then she surely should have the role of of or the title of the role that she's in she is his his you know she is the the his queen right so therefore she should have the role that's 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 how i feel about it and the point that obviously we've spoken a lot about the work she's done and the duties she's carried out but also behind the scenes we hear a lot of the work that she's done she's been a huge support to the duchess of cambridge and the duchess of sussex when they settled in and they they took up that role of kind of you know royal wives and that that mm. personal support is going to be a huge part of what she offers Charles when he takes the throne as well. So it's nice that that will be recognised. She's, in my mind, she's kind of proven herself in both form, both in the public view and also her role within within the firm. And the other point, well, I made- think you just look at just just on that point. You, I mean, you, you, that you're totally right because when Charles released his statement the next day. Um, not only congratulating the Queen on, the, as he said, the remarkable achievement of serving this nation, the realms and the Commonwealth over 70 years, that the, the next point he made, in his own words, are, we are deeply conscious of this honour represented by my mother's wish. So regardless of, and I do think public opinion will sway in their favour, but regardless of that, they are, it's not just, oh, the Queen said it and they wanted it. I don't think that, that they had lobbied for it at all. Obviously, it had been a discussion with Charles. It's been his desire, I would say, over the last few years, regardless of what was said years and years ago. Um, it's it's the Queen's wish, and they are very, very conscious of it, and will and would work to sway any any dissenters. And the, and the fact that you know he calls her um, my darling wife has been a steadfast steadfast support for me over the last uh, however many years is throughout. He says is very is very very heartfelt, and I think that that's an undeniable truth that he is obviously t- tremendously happy. She has made him tremendously happy from all the uh, 
um, heartache and scandal that they went through. And so therefore, it, she, she is deserving of that, of that role. And there was talk that William, while, correct me if I've got this wrong, but there was there's something that Prince William hadn't been, wasn't involved in the decision, but was happy with it and, you know, gave, gave his yeah. blessing. Yeah, it gave his blessing. I mean, he certainly was made aware of it. My understanding that both William and Harry were spoken to, whether that was in, they would have been told that the, the announcement was coming, no doubt, from the from the Queen and then Charles's statement afterwards. Um, but no, they weren't involved in any decision making. It was the, the Queen's decision to not only make it a formality, but also um, make the statement on accession day. Um, and so, you know, I what... I, th- I think from moving moving forward from those furious years, those rows, that ill feeling, the heartache that they all went through, and no doubt Camilla was part of that. There, as as as, you, as Ian said, there's a lot of water under the bridge. We're talking you know, a couple of couple of decades or more on, mm-hmm. so uh, a couple of decades on from from the from those periods of that period of time so yeah it's it's i think everyone's probably grown up and realizes that there's there's bigger bigger things at hand within the family and beyond to be honest and you mentioned earlier about kind of there was a lot of surprise around the fact that she'd used this message um in her 70th year to make this announcement but the more i thought about it i don't know if you agree but it then made sense of why she did use it then because if she just put this statement out randomly in two years time i think everyone would go oh, well, what's wrong? Why is she doing this? Is she about to step down? Is there a health thing we all should worry about? And I think it probably would have sent people into panic mode. Um, so do you think it was perhaps to avoid that? Yeah, I th- yeah, that's a, a great shout, to be honest, because she has had her own health problems. No better time, I suppose, than announcing it now. Um, I, she, her, her, her age is an undeniable fact. And and so have her, her health issues. So... Perhaps it was planned like this all along. And if it had, had been a standalone statement, then perhaps it would have been maybe a bigger deal made of it. Because I don't think it has become a, a big deal. I, I was surprised at the level of coverage. I thought it would be wall-to-wall coverage, but but maybe that shows you what's going yeah, on I think in the there world. Was a, there was other stuff going on the, yeah. on the weekend, a certain occupant of Downing Street doing things that he rather shouldn't <laughs> have done when he did them. But, yeah, I think it's a, it's a good news story, isn't yeah. it? That's the thing. It's a good news story for a lot. For most of the, for everyone involved, I think. Yeah. And I remember the story we broke when the first time Camilla met the the boys, you know, young young William and young Harry. That was a massive front page story. The fact that had like afternoon tea together. That was I don't know maybe twenty years. Yeah, ago. yeah, of course. Of it. <clears throat> and yeah, you know, she's really been there and done supported the family. I mean, I suppose for the for the younger ones, George and so on. That's the only granny they've known. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. From that side of the family, so it's a wonderful thing for her and you know we we love working with her she's great. she does yeah she's 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 right up there with the best mm-hmm. if not the best because i'm of... sure she's listening she listens to <laughs> <laughs> what's up <laughs> Mom, say, what's up i don't think out, anyone out, said out, what's out. up in about 10 years russell <laughs> oh dear i don't think i've, I've never <laughs> what's up Mark? yeah <laughs> Right. On, on anyway, that note, we're going to very listen. quickly bring an end to that. <laughs> yeah. But she had a... The other thing also, of course, is... But you can't... It was her party, wasn't it? You can't get mad at someone. You can't disagree with someone on their big day. It's like your birthday, isn't it? Everyone has to be nice to you. Maybe it was a bit of that. And she did have a lovely weekend of celebrations, starting off with a, with a tea party. 
um, which looked lovely. Party. That was a local down at the local women's institute. She met uh, workers from the estate, volunteers, and members of the WI group there. And she had a very impressive looking cake. She did, and the way she stabbed it as well. Oh, that was the first thing I noticed. Up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, she she's held, holding it like she was about to stab yeah. someone, let alone Who a cake. Who was she thinking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it was. Well, the, I like the joke between the 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 lady waiting on the lady from the um, the WI who who was remarked that the cake was turned out turned around the wrong way in order to face the photographers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your lot. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, Ian's I don't ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> so don't, don't worry about Someone's me. Got- I, I don't matter. Uh, so they got a picture, and then she picked up this knife and just ploughed it into the <laughs> middle. She just left it in there, didn't she? Like, did she say something like, someone else can sort yeah, you else can do can that. Out. Yeah, brilliant. Which brilliant. I get, because I like, you like cutting the cake, but I don't like being on in control of portion. Like, that's not no. thing. I like that logic. I might start introducing that if I'm going to do the first. What is it? The first one where you get a wish and then just pass it on to someone else. I'm a big fan of that. Is that, is is that, that a thing? The first kind of it was i did have a cake i had a very nice cake huh. i uh and i i didn't go into the office i didn't get any to bring sorry, it no, into, I didn't sorry, get any to bring either. it into my colleague Dad didn't get any. No, it's probably why i've cut a few pounds anyway this cake was very nice plowed plowed it with a big knife and what I will say about the Queen being out and about, um, that she looked very well. She looked rather sprightly. There was a few, because the day before when she was opening um, some of the artefacts from previous Jubilees, when she was sitting in the chair and the dog came in. Did you see this? Yes, it was very cute. I love this a lot. They were great pictures. So she was celebrating. I thought this was quite a nice touch. So on the, on the sort of the lead up to the Jubilee weekend, Buckingham Palace released a video of the Queen sitting um, in one of the drawing rooms in Windsor Castle. And they'd gone through the artefacts um, and pulling out all pictures and postcards and letters from people all around the world sort of wishing her well on previous Jubilees. And the dog, one of the dog rolls in, what's the dog's name? Candy. Yeah. One of the dog rolls in and she said, oh, I, know, I know what you want or something. So it's obviously... <laughs> a, one of these rascal Look at dogs. Look the chair leg, though. That dog's been... It's not one of those dogs. I know. The, chair, the leg. chair looks like it's seen best days. But she was sitting down. So I think there were a few, you know, sort of murmurs about, oh, gosh, that the Queen wasn't up and about or maybe she was sort of struggling, even though she did look quite quite well. But then the next day when she went into that engagement and meeting people from the local Sandringham community, she looked very, very sprightly, which is, of course, much welcome news because of uh, health issues in the past. But after that, you know, I've certainly spoken to people at the palace and they're saying that, um, you know, she's, she feels great. She has taken on board the doctor's orders, needed to have that rest before and after Christmas. And, uh, and we will be likely to see her at a, a raft of events in March. So there'll be a Commonwealth Day. Um, there'll be um, the lead up to the uh, the Duke of Edinburgh's memorial service as well. So the service of Thanksgiving is how they're billing it, which will no doubt see an awful lot of people from his charities and organisations, lots of members of the royal family as well. So there is a lot to look forward to. And I think not that they would sort of, um, sort of three line whip it or... Um, you know, say that she's definitely going to be there. She's 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 expected and intending to be at these these events throughout March. So that is welcome news indeed. 
Because this tea party engagement, this was the first time we've seen her in the first engagement in about three months, isn't it? It is, yeah, because so it's it not, been the, a not while. the investitures anymore. They're certainly being done by, by Charles or, or William at Windsor Castle. Um, and again, we'd seen her a little bit out and about through Sandringham. She hadn't been pictured mm. walking. She'd been in pictured cars, drive, yeah. being driven to certain areas. So she hasn't been walking the dogs or pictured walking them at least. So again, you know, these pictures tell, tell the truth of actually what's actually going on, I think. And that is uh, and that's just that's you feeling much better. And she did have the walking stick, which you've seen her with a few times recently, but she didn't seem to actually be using it that much. And also she had, it was Prince Philip's walking stick, wasn't it? Rather than the one she's it used is. previously. And the first well, thing that I did see, it was very lovely and very thing, but it did make you kind of remember the height difference between them a bit, didn't it? Because it did look... Well, it was sad. like a shepherd's crook. <laughs> it was. It's absolutely huge. Well, he was a, yeah. I'll tell you what, he waved that at a few photographers yeah. over the years. <laughs> I might get one for you. Choice, actually, yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. You're, if you're annoying me, I'm just going to pull you safe there <laughs> oh, right, with okay. my new crew. Oh, thank you, my loose. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, you know, when she was at uh, Sandringham, she was staying at Wood Farm. She wasn't staying at the big, big house, as they call it. She was staying at uh, Prince Philip's former home, which again brings all into significance about where we are, where we've been, happened, uh, what's happened over the last few months. Um, it must have been a tremendously emotional time, not being able to go to Sandringham over Christmas, have the family there. Um, but the fact that she was able to go there for the for the anniversary, I think, was, uh, was rather special. But now back at Windsor Castle, normal service has resumed. And as I say, there is uh, not necessarily a packed schedule for, for March and beyond, but definitely a, uh, a busier schedule than she had been taking on because definitely those those 19 engagements in as many days I think was uh, was far too much which is why she had the rest and just a last thing to mention on that party before we move on but the two brooches she were wearing uh, she was wearing were wedding presents so you kind of had two two little nods to um, Prince Philip which was really lovely on what was obviously a very important and big day for her and now as well as the corgi photos there was another picture that was released on the uh, I think it was the Sunday wasn't it which was her sitting going through her red boxes oh yes this is quite a nice this is a lovely picture as well do you, yeah. there's, do you want to talk about the pictures there's yeah, let's bring this one up I yeah. like this picture because if you for those of you who don't know the red boxes are ministerial boxes that the queen will have government uh, papers that she needs to look over and, and keep, keep in order of the business of the day and I mean it looks it doesn't look too battered that box, does it? It'll be interesting to see oh. how long she's had that box. Anyway, the the um, she's sitting in at Sandringham with her paperwork in front of her, a uh, picture of her late father George VI in front of her. With that looks like a corgi as well, doesn't it? Yeah. What do you think? That's Did a it... lovely picture. Wait, wait, when you get into these situations, if it's just the the Queen uh, and you're the only photographer, she normally they normally let you take about three pictures. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you've really got to get it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Traditionally, cameras make a noise. But now all these fancy new electronic ones, they make less of a noise. I think you can craftily get a few more pictures <laughs> away before um, the Queen notices. But you don't have very long to do these things. And that's a lovely picture. Well, just, of light. just reading off Chris Jackson's from Getty, yes. he actually took this picture. Chris took it, did he? Yeah. Oh, right. And he said on uh, on his Twitter... He said, uh, it was an honour to capture this image of Her Majesty to recognise this milestone, obviously being the Platinum Jubilee, doing what she does best, getting on with the job as she works on papers from her iconic red box. Um, top picture. 
Yeah, that's a very, very nice picture. This is the picture, if you're, if you're not looking at it, we'll, we should put it on, on our Instagram. It's her wearing the lime green lime green dress sitting at, uh, at Sandringham. I'll bring up this other picture for you, Ian. Um, these are the, the image. This is probably from the, the moving images of her. Yeah, they had a photographer in there they as did, well. For yeah. That. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she's looking through the, the various different artefacts. Can you imagine how many times a queen's had a picture taken? It yeah. must run into <laughs> millions, millions really? of times. Surely. Yeah, millions. Yeah, millions. Um, and then this was from the WI with the shepherd's, with, are we calling it a shepherd's crook? Walking oh, stick? Can, uh, someone will correct us. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Photographer beating stick. Um, <laughs> yes. And that was, yeah, leaving Sandium and then stabbing the cake. Yeah. It looks like she's stabbing it through the heart. Again, lovely pictures. I think yeah. she's looking very, it's very, very smartly. Nice. I mean, of course, she's she does look like she's lost weight. Again, I think because of her age. Um, but I, I think, you know, her smile is is undeniable. She looks particularly, particularly happy in these pictures. In, that, all, yeah. in all three. That was the first thing I noticed, is she just looks so relaxed and so happy, and she really is, um, really is. Yeah, I, and especially at Sandringham, I think that she, there was a degree of um, of sadness that she hadn't been able to go to Sandringham. They're having the family there over Christmas, and um, and no doubt she that is something she'd wanted to do. She went in November to prepare the house for Christmas. That then didn't happen, took the decision to stay at Windsor. And then... Um, and then was able to go, you know, to, and 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 to and to spend the anniversary of her, her father's death, which is is hugely hugely important to her. So I think all all encompassed. That's why people, you know, in the palace are saying that she is in very very she's in very good form, and that uh, hopefully we can look forward to seeing her in due course. Now, the one thing I was a bit surprised about for the day is I thought we'd get more of an official portrait photo type thing. Do you think? Were you expecting that, or is that something we can perhaps expect in the summer? I think that they are possibly preferring these rela- more relaxed shots at the moment. What do you reckon? I think so. I mean, there's no shortage of formal portraits, are there, really? Yeah. So, Which they normally, they, they've done them in the past when there was big state visits and Commonwealth visits. They would do an official portrait, but I suppose those visits aren't happening anymore. So when they do them now, it would be entirely arbitrary, wouldn't it? I mean, and when you're getting pictures, and when yeah. you're getting that picture yeah. of her being relaxed, that's I think that's telling mm. you a lot more. Given, yeah, well, that's going to keep going back over these health woes, but that tells you a lot more given the recent history of yeah. what's been happening with the Queen than than anything of them sticking out, you know, a very posed photograph yeah. or painting or whatever. That that yeah. that speaks volumes. It and very be, very nicely set it up. It could be something for the jubilee itself, couldn't it? But that, yeah, I think like these are these are nice. I mean, the the one with the dog, the little video clip with the dog. If you haven't watched it, it's yeah, it's, it's available on various platforms. But that's <laughs> yeah, just lovely. It's really lovely, and yeah, that's a good point. Actually, now we're not seeing her at walkabouts. We don't really get to see that personal side of it. But the other thing I thought we were missing was I thought we'd get something from the Cambridges and the Sussexes. But again, maybe something for the summer. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, no doubt, of course. Um, I think, I think, because that possibly, and I don't think there's anything official in this, but my view was that because of the Camilla announcement, it was very, very centred on that. So the Queen had obviously decided that that would be the message in the accession statement, and then Charles's message would be afterwards. So then, when do when do the Cambridges and the Sussexes uh, announce something. I mean, 
Well, with the Sussexes, you can never be sure, can you? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, do it in a podcast form yes. near you. Yeah, anytime soon on various platforms. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Maybe they, they the Cambridge is just... Yeah, yeah there will be something. When it comes to the celebrations, they'll announce stuff, won't they? But right now, there's not an awful lot for them to, to have. There'll, there'll, be, there'll be something, no doubt, in the when the big celebration weekends are. And listen, you know, the Cambridge is going to the Commonwealth. You know, that's really a part of Platinum Jubilee as well. Um, I mean, there's so many layers to that. It's on behalf of the Foreign Office, Platinum Jubilee tours, um, talking about the Republican movement in these Caribbean countries as well, um, certainly Jamaica. Um, and so uh, I think this is multi-layered, but in good time perhaps will be the uh, the order of the day with that. But this 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 statement was very much centred on, on Camilla, and I think that they probably probably didn't do it because they didn't want to water that down. Now, earlier this week, I was lucky enough to speak to Tracy Borman, who is a historian, and she gave me some of her expert opinions on some of the kind of defining moments uh, from the last 70 years and the Queen's reign. So have a listen and let us know what you think. Now, this is a bit of a weird one because I'm introducing Tracy to you listeners for the first time as this is her first debut appearance on the podcast. However, we've actually pre-recorded an interview, which you'll be hearing a few weeks time. So I'm welcoming Tracy back in terms of our conversation from the studio. So welcome, Tracy Borman. How are you? It's lovely to be back. I'm very <laughs> well, thank you, and excited because what a moment this is in royal history. It really is now. But before we get on to that, you have got a new book out at the moment. So tell us very briefly about that, please, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. So it's called Crown and Scepter, and it's a new history of the British monarchy. And I go all the way back to 1066 and all the way forward to 2022. So nearly a thousand years of royal history. And what a moment to have written that book because it was inspired by the Platinum Jubilee um, and really sets the Queen's reign into context and looks at what went before. And what you've very kindly done for us uh, ahead of today's show is looked through all of those moments. I don't know how you cut it down, if I'm completely honest, because there's been so many moments, but you've picked out 10 um, years or historical events or personal situations that the Queen's found her in that you think have really defined her reign. So we're going to talk through those now. Yeah, and this was hugely significant because it's the first ever British royal coronation to be televised. So it was an even more huge event than usual. Um, I mean, there were more than 8,000 people crammed into the Abbey, but then, of course, broadcast to millions across the world, um, seeing the the young Queen uh, be crowned. So it really was quite a moment. And it was Prince Philip that really was the one that was really pushing for it to be on telly, wasn't he? Yeah, you tend to find that Prince Philip was the moderniser. He was always the one kind of trying to bring the monarchy into, well, the 20th century as it was then. Um, and so right from the beginning. And you can't kind of imagine he came up a lot. Sorry. You can imagine he came up against quite a bit of opposition within the royal household. They're not known necessarily for their forward thinking, uh, but he won through and the Queen backed him up. And yeah, that's how we really know so much about her coronation. Um, And it's, it's amazing having that on record. And one of the things that I was doing when I was researching, obviously, for our coverage of the coronation was seeing all those, the old photos. And it's amazing to have those and the, you know, obviously the quality of it isn't fantastic, but, you know, you've got all those real moving images from the day, which you don't have from many other things at that time. 
Exactly. And, and they've kind of added colour to some of the film and it really sort of brings it to life and just the dazzling spectacle of it all. But, you know, people were so nervous because the television cameras there that one of her ladies in waiting nearly fainted and the pressure was on, I think, because the eyes of the world uh, were on Westminster Abbey and on the new Queen. Now, the second moment you highlighted uh, is in 1955 and Princess Margaret ends her relationship with Peter Townsend. Mm. So this is a really fascinating one because often it's portrayed as this, you know, great tragic thwarted love affair and and Townsend was the love of Margaret's life, but she had to give him up because he was a divorcee. And at the time, you know, that that caused a conflict with her royal role at Church of England you know, wouldn't allow marriage to uh, a divorcee in, in, in the church. So, you know, it was all bound up with that. But actually, Margaret had just gone off the whole idea. She gave him up because she'd sort of cooled off on the romance. And I don't think we tend to see that, certainly not if people watch The Crown and things like that. It's poor old Margaret. But actually, she called the whole thing off because she was just a bit bored. Now, this, I think, is one of the one the thing that I find really fascinating and something I didn't know too much about until I started covering the royals for work. But the 1969 documentary, which, well, I think it's quite safe to say the Queen regretted. I think, I think it's very safe to say. <laughs> Her natural instinct has always been for privacy. Um, but I think she was persuaded, uh, um, I think Prince Philip played a part in persuading her to let the television cameras in for this fly on the wall documentary entitled Royal Family. And it was supposed to show that the royals had a human side, you know, they could they could relax and cook barbecues like the rest of us. But actually it was so stilted and so awkward. It served exactly the opposite purpose. And the Queen asked for it to be immediately withdrawn from view. And it's kind of never, you can't watch it anymore, can you? It has been, is it locked away somewhere, I imagine? I know, it's so frustrating. You can imagine writing this book, I really wanted to see that. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think it's, it's completely inaccessible. I mean, you occasionally see tiny snippets, I think, on YouTube, if you look very hard. Um, it, it wasn't TV gold, I think it's fair to say. <laughs> one, of the clips, one of the few clips that I've managed to find of it is the one of where she goes in and buys Prince Charles an ice cream. Doesn't she? And you see her like counting out, counting out her coins at the um, at the register. Now yeah, we're normal, really. <laughs> now we jump ahead to 1977 and the Queen's Silver Jubilee, um, which obviously, as well as the normal jubilee celebrations, there was a lot more going on, kind of elsewhere in society, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Uh, This was a time when republicanism was actually really gathering ground. Um, There was a lot of unrest and ill feeling against the monarchy. And and there were fears that actually the Jubilee would be a complete damp squib, that nobody would really want to come along and celebrate. But actually the opposite turned out to be the case. And and all of the royal fans came out in force with street parties and processions and all the rest of it. but yeah, it's interesting. Um, it they it's definitely gone in terms of ebbs and flows. Uh, the the Queen's popularity, the royal family's popularity, um, and it sort of the Silver Jubilee saved it in the seventies because it wasn't a great decade for the royals. Um, but then there was this high point in nineteen seventy seven. The point that you mentioned um, when we spoke about this previously, but is what I know from that time was of course the Sex Pistols album cover which used that photo with the kind of eyes and her mouth uh, covered wasn't there? Yeah yeah absolutely borderline blasphemous you know they they sort of released this uh, kind of 
God Save the Queen um, parody, really, on the on the whole kind of Jubilee celebrations. And um, yeah, it was, it was quite um interesting quite sub, um subversive and and certainly irreverent um but obviously there was a huge following for that kind of thought and um uh, it, but but equally there was quite an outpouring of affection for the queen um as well so the royalists as i say they really came out and did her proud now one that i'm pretty sure every single person listening to this podcast um will know about uh, 1981 and prince charles marries lady diana spencer ah oh, this is the stuff of which fairy tales are made that's what the uh, <laughs> archbishop of canterbury said in his wedding address of course it turned out to be rather different but it looked every bit the fairy tale i remember watching it myself and this you know what i thought then was an amazing dress like the, the the original meringue um diana was this fairy tale princess she was beautiful and young and innocent and charles was this kind of you know the most eligible bachelor in the world but of course it wasn't quite the fairy tale and their marriage would unravel in the most spectacular fashion and on the most public of stages which brings us on to the next point uh, very nicely and 1992. The Annus Horribilis, uh, the horrible year of the Queen. Um, when she actually, she marked another jubilee, her 40th anniversary um, of, of her accession, uh, but it was the year of the divorces. Um, so in March, uh, Prince Andrew separated from his wife. The following month, and divorced Captain Mark Phillips. Uh, there was a fire at Windsor, um, and then the year was was crowned uh, with you know the, the separation of the Prince and Princess of Wales of Charles and Diana. So it was a terrible year, and I think she was glad to see the back of it. And another devastating year was obviously 1997 and the death of Princess Diana. And there was a lot of the, the world was in shock and the world was heartbroken and mourning. But there was also a lot of attention went on to the royal family and how they dealt and reacted both publicly and privately to the news. Mm, the royal family were really in focus and the Queen in particular, who I think for very justifiable reasons had, had decided to stay in Balmoral, where they were with the, with the um, princes, Diana's sons, William and Harry, when the news broke. And, and she did that for their protection. And, you know, they, they were mourning the loss of their mother. But of course, it, then there was this groundswell of, of kind of fury um, that was whipped up um, back in London when the flag wasn't um, lowered outside Buckingham Palace. And the um, there was there were calls for the queen to come back and to be with her people and to show respect to Diana, which she eventually did. And then it all calmed down. And then I think people just focused actually on the, on the loss. Uh, but there's such a thin dividing line between grief and, and rage. And I think we really saw that. And in 2002, there was also more private heartbreak for the queen, as we said goodbye to two more um, hugely loved members of the royal family. But there was also some, some good news and some celebration as well, wasn't there? It was definitely a year of contrast, 2002. Uh, so it was her golden jubilee year, uh, but it began uh, with the death of her sister Margaret, um, and then shortly afterwards of her 101-year-old mother, the Queen Mother. So, and she'd been very close to both of those uh, women, and so you know it was a real time of sadness. But then it kind of ended well, really. It ended on a high, or, or at least the summer time, um, saw the, the celebrations for the Golden Jubilee. Um, and that definitely was a, a case of everybody coming out, 
to celebrate, lots of street parties, lots of celebrations. Um, so yeah, a real year of contrast, 2002. Now, over her 70 year reign, the Queen has obviously ticked off lots of world records, uh, firsts, all sorts of things. But in 2015, it was one of perhaps the most impressive, I think, where she became Britain's longest reigning monarch. I know, beating Queen Victoria. Um, so she clocked up 63 years and 216 days. Um, and that was such a moment. I mean, what an achievement, uh, really, um, whether you're a fan of the monarchy or not, just the, the longevity of the Queen and the continuity that she's provided has been quite staggering. And I think something that's overlooked is that um, you know, she's also made sure that we can have lots more queens in future because she's made the royal succession equal for the first time in a thousand years so that firstborn daughters have equal rights to the throne so so we don't have to wait for a son as we always have in the past so I think that's that's a really significant contribution as well. And that change in the rules was what obviously allowed Princess Charlotte made history when Louis was born, didn't she? Because she didn't kind of, she didn't lose her ranking. She got to keep her nice little spot and Louis went in under in the rank below her. Exactly. And the final one on your list is obviously last year and the death of uh, the Queen's strength and state, Prince Philip. Mm, which um, obviously was quite a moment, an incredibly poignant moment. Um, so they'd been married for 73 years, which is, just mind-blowing that the length of their marriage is staggering obviously that in itself was record-breaking in, in the history of the monarchy and I think it's been one of the most successful pairings in royal history as well it's been, had its ups and downs but you know Prince Philip really was that strength and stay um, that sort of quote that you mentioned um, and he was there and he was a real support uh, throughout and actually carved out quite an active role as consort, as I said, he was a modernizer, um, always looking to the future um, and brought the queen along with him in some respects, but then also fully understood that it was her show. You know, he was there in the supporting role. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how her reign progresses now because he was such a dominant force in it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for talking me through all those points. It was really interesting to have a little trip down memory lane and to go over some of those key moments from the past 70 years. And it really makes you, sorry, and it makes you realise just how many key moments there have been. Yeah. <laughs> and I could probably have come up with a hundred. So yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Now, Russell and Ian, tell Jet Setters... Tell me about Dubai. How was, what's the flight like? How long was it there? What was it, seven and a half, eight hours? Seven, about seven hours. Lots of lucky children on their half-term holiday. Oh, lucky no, lots, <laughs> lots of very excitable, yeah. very loud children <laughs> on, on the plane, very near so us. Russell fitted in really, really well. He no. played Lego, he did colouring. <laughs> I didn't have the attention span for it at all. Anyway, there was there, it was a packed flight. We have flown uh, over to Dubai because it is the Dubai tw Expo 2020, even though it's in 2022. It has obviously been yeah. had numerous delays with the pandemic. This has been uh, an exhibition sort of massive conference that has been going on for the last six months uh, involving 190 nations exhibiting sort of all the weird and the wonderful, the innovation technology culture from their individual countries. And 
it is going to be UK National Day on Thursday, today, if you're listening to this podcast. And um, Prince William is there for a bit of stardust, I suppose, right? Yeah, he's going to visit the British Pavilion and he's basically there to, to sell sell the UK to, to the rest of the world, isn't it? Yeah, he? I mean, so what are we, what, are we, what were we calling it? We were calling it a showcase. Yeah, it's going to be showcasing to the world. But not only that, I mean, he's sort of... Um, He's, he's he's playing a couple of you know different roles here i suppose he's going on here on the on in here or he is here on behalf of the british government on behalf of the foreign office to uh to showcase the the the, the fantastic nature of the uk and britain to the world they're going to be meeting some um olympians and paralympians who have been uh, competing recently going to be watching a bit of the battery for the Commonwealth Games, which yeah. is, is that next year, Commonwealth Games? Commonwealth Games is uh, this year. It is this year. Thanks it's it. this Birmingham 2022, Birmingham. making its way around the expo site, around the various Commonwealth pavilions. So each country has set out different massive stands and there's lots going on. Apparently, when you go to like the Korean one, the Japanese one, it's insane, like so cool, loads of technology going on. We will be able to report back what the... It's probably just a couple of old ladies having tea and scones. <laughs> the British one. Yeah. If there's not tea, the yeah. yeah. there Pops needs to be a yeah, tea yeah, yeah. for. And a pub. An old man. Pub yeah, with a warm beer. <laughs> Some man with a whip it. Um, and and you two there. So Prince William is not only doing that, he is uh, wearing another hat, which is to do with Earthshot. And he's going to be hosting this sort of Dragon's Den styled event. I believe I said Dragon's Den before. I don't know. Maybe I've described what the Earthshot has been. Anyway, so he's there's going to be uh, a big forum where five of last year's finalists, there were 15 in total, but it's going to be five, some of the fi- some of the winners, some of the f- like finalists, runners up from the Earthshot Prize, which is obviously his big global environmental project. Um, pitching to an audience full of millionaires in Dubai and trying to sort of link them up with the other innovators, the people, the money men, to try and make them realise their fantastic ideas, which got them to the final for the Earthshot Prize. So um, it's the first time he's taken Earthshot Prize on the road, I suppose. Yeah, and it's all about environmental inventions, isn't it? Concepts yeah. to to better the environment. But the, the, the moon landings were called the moonshot. Yes. And this is Earthshot, Earthshot derived from that. So I did pay attention. So I went to an Earthshot <laughs> event earlier on in the year. So. Where United Millions of the tagline was that uniting millions of people around the world to, to put a man on the moon. And that's why William decided to launch this project by getting, you know, global investors, big players. I mean, Queen Rania is going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. We love Queen Rania. Rania. Is she going to come in the Tesla? <laughs> friend of the road. She might join us in the pub yeah. in the uh, in the in the in the UK arm. Come for a bacon butty in the calf. Um, she's going to be there. She's on Williams Earthshot Council. And we, I don't know if we'll be going, but it's in the United States later this year. Is it? It is. Okay. It's in America. We don't know where yet, but later oh, the in the autumn, final the final, yeah, the yeah. next final will be. So then that would be you know, him taking Earthshot, sort of banging the, banging the drum for the in, in, in the, these environmentalist cause. Um, but it, just, it does look, I mean, it's packed tomorrow. I mean, Anyway, there's a pack schedule, you know, that we're going to uh, Mangrove Park in Abu Dhabi. Oh, we're going nice. to one of the big um, ports in, uh, in near Dubai, which is sort of responsible for 
lots of um, anti-wildlife trafficking, I suppose is how we put it, because yeah. William set up United for Wildlife, the charity he set up in 2014. And one of the big issues is around sort of trafficking of ivory and, for, I suppose, for forbidden animals across the world. And Dubai being one of the biggest ports in the world has a major, major part to play in that. Then obviously we've got the tour of the UK pavilion, which is, you know, we've, We've just we we couldn't have done a better <laughs> job of selling, I suppose. Do you think we'll get hired to do the PR? <laughs> then we've got sure. the Earth Shot, yeah. the big uh, the big Dragons Den investment thing. Then he is meeting uh, his Highness Sheikh Ham Dan bin Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum, who is the Crown Prince of Dubai. We will you know, people will possibly remember him because his father, who is the Dubai ruler, has been I suppose in hot water. Uh, and then we've got uh, a couple of meetings. Things and then he's off home. So it's a whirlwind trip. It's a, it's real, a well, busy day. It's a bit. Why, is, why has he done it all in one day and not spread it over a couple? Well, we were willing to be here for a couple of weeks. You we? heroes. <laughs> It's so committed to the job. Lovely. Well, we can't wait to hear from you both next week to find out how you um, how you got on. We'll obviously stick lots of Ian's photos on the Instagram um, hand on Instagram. As always, follow us at Pod Save on Twitter and on Instagram. And until next time, Pod Save the Queen. 